This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. The game show Jeopardy. It has been going through its level of turmoil and trying to get a permanent host. The selection of executive producer Mike Richards as the new host, with actress Maya Bialik seemingly uh, worked for a lot of fans. But then came word of comments that uh, that Richards had made several years earlier on a podcast when he was working with The Price is Right. They were de- about demeaning women and making stereotypical comments about people in the Asian and Jewish communities. Richards has now stepped down as executive producer of Jeopardy, but also of Wheel of Fortune. The whole scenario brings up many questions around his hiring and also just in general doing so hiring around diversity. Corinne Lowe, assistant professor of business economics and public policy at the Wharton School, joins us to discuss that. Hi, Corinne. Great to talk to you again. Hi. Great to be here with you. So take us through your thoughts about the impact that this hiring has in looking at these ideas of hiring and diversity and such right now. Yeah, you know, when I heard about the process, which for people who don't know, Mike Richards was an executive producer on Jeopardy, tasked with finding the replacement for Alex Trebek. And then that replacement who was chosen was Mike Richards himself, the producer, who happens to be a white man. And when I looked at that process, it just stuck out to me as such a crystal clear example of the ways we act like and firms so often act like they really want to seek diversity when they're hiring. But they shoot themselves in the foot before they even get out of the gate by kind of using these practices that end up surfacing the same old candidates. And there's a lot of examples of that in how this hiring process was done. First of all, in just sort of acting like you can have an objective process when there's inside decision makers who are part of that process who are biased. And so, yeah. you know, when Mike Richards was actually in control of the process, one of the ways they made the decision was how test audiences responded to the guest hosts um, when those episodes were screened for test audiences. But Mike Richards, the producer who was then chosen as host, he got to choose which episodes from which guest hosts were screened, right? So yeah. something that looks like it's an objective metric, how the test audience responds, actually really isn't that objective when you look at the shadow power that, you know, is going on behind the scenes in sort of deciding how that metric gets produced. Well, and, and there's also the fact that this is obviously a very public job. And, and if you go by, you know, the impact that Alex Trebek had uh, when he was hosting the show, we know how visible he was in the public and how beloved he was by by fans of the show. So here you are trying to find a new host for the show. You bring in all of these different guest hosts. It, it makes you feel a little bit like it, it was a bit of a sham in doing that in the first place. That's right. You know, it, it makes it seem like, you know, were those candidates actually really being considered? And did they try to get candidates who were sort of realistic um, in terms of the candidates who might be female or might be underrepresented minorities? It, when you look at the guest hosts, um, there were, I believe, 16 guest hosts. Nine of them were white men. Um, there were, I think, um, I think it was three four men women. of color and four women. And yeah. so 
and, you know, and, and of the four women, you know, one of them was Katie Couric. One of them was Robin Roberts. Are they actually looking to take the Jeopardy hosting job or were they sort of put in there to sprinkle some diversity in the guest hosting lineup and give the sort of illusion that this was a meritocratic process considering people from lots of different groups, but they weren't actually real candidates. And when you actually look at who Alex Trebek wanted to be his successor, he named a black female lawyer as his successor, somebody who he'd seen, you know, as a guest on TV, and he thought that, you know, she was very eloquent. Her name was Laura Coates. She was not a guest host. And, you know, maybe she wasn't interested, but, it, it, you know, it's yeah. interesting that they sort of chose these very famous women who maybe weren't really going for the job rather than genuine candidates. Um, and they chose these women who had very public in front of the camera jobs, whereas Mike Richards is someone who'd never been in front of the camera. And they didn't give right. any women who had never been in front of the camera a chance at the job. Well, well, Bialik, though, obviously being an, an actress, has been in front of the camera before, but obviously not in this particular role as a host, because it's a, you know, being in the entertainment industry, it's a much different dynamic being an actress than, than being the host of a game show. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, that was another one of my points about this, that, you know, when you're trying to find the person who's the best for the long term, this is actually a really hard job being the host of Jeopardy, right? I'm sure there's a lot of little subtle timing things you have to get right. Yep. There's a lot of things that, you know, I bet Trebek made look easy, but I'm sure he was extremely talented, right, to make it look that easy. And so I'm also wondering how much did they invest in candidates who might not have had the same opportunities for preparation? So if we know that historically hiring decisions have sort of you know, been biased or certain groups have been historically excluded and certain groups have been historically included that, you know, the classic game show host is a white man, you know, um, then what are you doing to supplement that preparation so that you're really giving candidates who might be from an underrepresented background a fair shot? And, you know, it would have been very possible to send them to, you know, a month-long hosting boot camp, you know, before you do that first guest hosting stint or, you know, do one week of guest hosting, then screen it for test audiences, get the feedback, and then go tell the candidates what the test audiences did or didn't like and give them the chance to adjust for it. And that's, you know, the thing that I think is a real myth in sort of trying to make, um, trying to push for diversity in hiring is that people think, well, we can't do anything about the pipeline. We can't do anything about what the candidates come in with. We just have to take it as it is. And you know what? You actually can. You can actually invest in the pipeline, and it's not very costly. You know, I'm not talking about you have to have a years-long host development program. I'm talking about why don't you send them to, you know, a couple weeks of, you know, boot camp and practice with executive producers so that they have some of, they have more of a level of playing field by the time you're actually doing the guest hosting stint and you're screening it for test audiences. How prevalent then do you think in general in terms of hiring for jobs, and this is more of a broader scope question, that this type of a dynamic plays out where in this case you had the executive producer who ended up hiring himself or you know, <laughs> there, there, there aren't enough voices that are being brought in to discuss who the best candidate for the job is? Yeah, you know, I mean, I think this was a particularly egregious example, but I think this type of thing happens all the time where the decision makers are the people who've historically 
been in that field. So, you know, let's take hiring in STEM. We know that STEM has been male-dominated for a long time. So when you have a group of STEM execs sit down to say, what's our shortlist for this job? When they name the people off the top of their head, it's going to be other white men that they're more likely to have social or business connections with. They're more likely to be in their network. And then when they interview people, let's say that they have a female candidate in there because they're white men and they're used to a certain style, they're more likely to respond positively to the style that a fellow white male candidate brings to the table, right? So I think these, the subtle ways that who is already in the club shapes who then gets into the club is something that's playing out in basically every company across America. And it's something that we really need to address if we're serious about diversity in hiring. We can't say, nope, it's a meritocracy. There wasn't anything we could do about it. Our hands are tied. We have to recognize the way the internal biases and the processes we have in place actually do not create a meritocracy because they actually privilege the people who have already had access to the spaces that we're trying to hire new voices for. Right. And in this case with Jeopardy, there probably should have been some sort of panel or group that uh, should have had input on who the final decision uh, uh, was. It, it obviously was in this case uh, uh, Edward, uh, but uh, he, you know, obviously giving up that uh, that role, or uh, Richards, excuse me. But I, I think that's probably now for the people behind the show, that's the way they need to consider this moving forward, is that we have to have a variety of different voices in on the decision, whoever is going to that's be the right. full-time host of the show. And I hope they do it in a transparent way this time, right, to say this is how we're evaluating people. This is how we're choosing candidates in the first place. This is exactly how long they're going to guest host for. Everybody's going to have the same amount of guest hosting time. You know, one thing people have pointed out is that LeVar Burton, he only had one week, which was filmed in a single day, rather than having two weeks where he could have had actually time to improve, right, whereas other candidates had two weeks. So, you know, it, it should be transparent from the beginning. This is how we're choosing candidates. This is how we're making the shortlist. This is is how they're going to be tested. This is how the audiences are going to be scoring them. And this is the panel that's actually making the decisions instead of, you know, letting the insider appoint the insider, which is how we will continue to have white and male dominated spaces in leadership. And, and again, about 30 seconds left. Again, this is a, a, once again, a, a commentary also in this day and age about making comments on social media and the fact that they come back at you. I'm surprised that people have not learned that lesson yet because we've been well into the social media age now. So, you know, that's yeah. something for people to keep in mind, um, you know, and, and maybe people should be vetted beforehand, before they're appointed in this way, because, you know, we know it's something yep. that so often comes out ex post. Corinne, thanks very much for your insight. All the best. Thank you. Corinne Lowe, Assistant Professor of Business Economics and Public Policy at the Wharton School. To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.